Dr. Emily Funk Reynolds, and you are listening to the Confessions of a Young Doctor podcast, where we are striving for a balance at work and at home so that we can be the best for our patients, our family, and most importantly, for ourselves. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. This week's episode is going to be a little bit different. I put a Q&A box on my Instagram, which if you are not following along on Instagram, you are missing out. So make sure you check out at doctor.confessions. Um, I just post more daily update stuff there, as well as some good information about practice ownership, work-life balance, just everything. Um, but anyway, I posted a question box and I answered a couple of them on my stories, but I wanted to do this week's episode and answer all of them. So um, we'll get to a few more and yeah, let's go ahead and get started. So the first one was how did I go on vacation as a solo practice owner? And this is a really good question because this is something that I was very nervous and concerned about. Um, So as you guys know, we recently went to Hawaii for a week and then we are getting ready to leave for Italy. So I will be gone for another week. And um, both of these vacations will be the kind of first time that I was away for a substantial amount of time. So since I opened my practice at the end of 2021, I have gone away for like long weekends. Like I went to the AAO meeting. So I missed like a Thursday, Friday or taken off like a Monday. uh, But I've never been gone for a substantial amount of time. And part of that was because I didn't want to close the office um, and miss out on new patients, which now looking back on it was kind of silly. Um, But also because I am the only doctor. So if the practice or if I'm away, the practice has to close. So we're not open. Um, And I was just nervous about a patient having an emergency or something and me not being able to help them because I am halfway across the world. Um, But I can tell you now between our two vacations, so having gone to Hawaii, um, everything was a-okay. I did have two patients that had small emergencies and um, Both of them just went to my mom's office. Um, My mom is a general dentist, so I gave her a couple instruments and kind of a crash course on how to handle orthodontic emergencies. And um, my office coordinator who answers our phones was still working the entire time that I was away. She was working remotely, so she was taking all of our calls and she was able to... um, get those emergency calls and then help the patients to get appointments at my mom's office. Um, And then I personally have also covered for another doctor while he was away on vacation. Um, 
And same thing. He just sent me a text um, and asked me to see a patient of his while he was away just to um, take them out of pain. So I would definitely recommend that you have someone, whether it's a local general dentist or another orthodontic colleague who could cover for you um, because you don't want to have absolutely no option for your patients if they're in pain. Um, But luckily with orthodontics, it's usually just like a wire is poking in the back or a broken bracket. Like nobody is going to die um, if you can't see them right away. But I think as long as you have someone to field those phone calls and then also a provider that can manage the emergencies, then you should be totally fine. So now having had that week in Hawaii and about to go to Italy, I feel much more comfortable that if anything does happen, it should be a-okay. All right, the next question is, how did you tell your corporate job that you were opening your own practice and how did they react? This is another good one. Um, So, I know a lot of times people are nervous about how their current job is going to take it if they let them know that they are opening their own practice or leaving. Um, Luckily, I knew that I wanted to open my own practice pretty much from the get-go. So, during the interview process with my corporate job, I was very upfront about the fact that I was opening my practice and that, you know, my long-term plan was to be on my own. So they knew that from the beginning. Um, All of the team members at my corporate job know that I have my own practice. Um, So it's very like out in the open, Um, nothing secretive and everything has been fine there. Um, In terms of, you know, if you're already in an existing situation and you're not sure how they may take it, Um, I think it kind of depends on your boss or the practice owner management um, and how they might react. So it's more up to your personal experience with them. Um, But I wouldn't say like trying to hide it or making up lies or stories or anything is ever a good idea. Um, I mean, you might want to wait until things are further along to let them know. Um, But I think if somebody straight up asks you, you should always be honest um, and definitely not outwardly lie. Just because my experience, even just being in this field for a few years, is that the dental world is very small and even more specifically, the orthodontic world is even smaller, and you just want to remain on good terms with people as much as you can, and you don't want to burn any bridges, especially if you are planning to stay in the same relative geographic area. Um, I would recommend taking a look at your contract, making sure that you're not going to be violating any restrictive covenant that you might have, and then also be aware of how much notice you are required to give in your current position um, to 
leave or transition out because all of that is going to be important. I know a lot of contracts you have to give like six months to a year of notice and your practice could change a lot in six months or a year. So you want to kind of be ahead of the game in terms of your timeline for your exit. So um, I am lucky in that I have a good relationship with my corporate management. Um, But I think part of that is because I've been so upfront and honest with them about my situation. And then also as I work to transition out of there, I am doing my best to do that in a graceful way that um, doesn't cause a lapse in care for the patients. So I'm just, you know, not giving them a reason to be mad at me (laughs) for anything. And as far as I know, they still are on good terms with me. So if you can have kind of an amicable split or parting, I would definitely recommend that. Um, But some people just won't react to that news favorably no matter what. So um, it really just depends on your boss and the management and what you think you might be in for. Okay, um, next question. How did you decide how many chairs to have in your practice? Um, so two things kind of came into play with that. One is the amount of lease space that I got. Um, so my practice is just under 2,000 square feet. Um, so it's definitely on the smaller side. Um, but then also with myself coming directly out of residency and being a relatively fresh doctor, I didn't think that I would be able to handle like eight chairs um, right off the bat. And, you know, with being a startup, we obviously didn't really need all of that patient capacity. So my current practice has four chairs and a consult room. Um, And we have relatively large bays for the chair. We probably could have fit five in a consult room if we really wanted to. Um, but just in terms of the type of practice that I want and the pace that I want, um, I want to kind of be able to know all of the patients and know generally what's going on with everybody's case, um, recognize people. So I didn't want my practice just to become like a buzzing beehive. Um, so I wanted to keep it smaller and then also, you know, just making the transition from residency into private practice, seeing four chairs at the same time is pretty much the limit of where I am comfortable right now. Um, Also, my space, like I said, is just under 2,000 square feet and I kept it small to be able to reduce my overhead um, and have to pay less rent because as a startup, you want to try to keep your fixed expenses as low as possible so that while you are growing and cash flow is limited, you are not struggling. So that is where my decision to have those four chairs came from. All right, next question. What marketing strategies have worked the best? Ooh, okay. So this is tough. Um, because some things 
I think are kind of more like a long game kind of a process, like sponsoring a little league team or donating stuff to the school, doing different community events. Um, that stuff is more just like name recognition so that when it gets to the point where people need an orthodontist, they've heard of you, they've seen your practice, um, and then they're more likely to come to you. So those kinds of things are harder to put a value on. I think they are still important to kind of get your name into the community. Um, but in terms of a like quick return on investment, they are definitely not the play. Um, the things I would say that have brought us the most patience um, are one, our social media advertising. Um, I've spent a lot of time setting up Facebook Messenger marketing campaigns, um, which is a little complicated. I still haven't done a full episode on this because I'm trying to figure out the best format to explain it. It's a little bit difficult to do with just audio, um, but basically we have ads on Facebook that are targeted to specific audience locally in our area um, and then it's set up such that it gives them kind of an automated um, series of questions to go through and then that creates a lead that comes into us and then either myself or my office coordinator will reach out to those patients and we've been able to schedule people directly that way um, either online via texting via Facebook Messenger, through email, and just the convenience of that, people really seem to like and respond well to. So that's worked great for us in terms of getting, you know, like cold leads um, to turn into patients. And then the other top thing would be referrals. So referrals from other patients. I find that if someone comes in for a consult and they came because a friend told them to 9.9 times out of 10 they're going to start if we recommend treatment um people just like to know somebody else that has gone there and had a good experience um they those patients don't often ask for second opinions or go home and think about it and then never call you back um those patients convert very, very well. So we love our referrals from mutual patients and we do incentivize people to refer. So we give gift cards to patients who send us referrals um, and then we also give the person that they referred some money off and that has worked great for us. We have a couple patients who have referred us like five people. Um, and yes, I've given them five gift cards, but it's totally worth it. Um, because if I'm getting a multi thousand dollar case out of it, um, you know, a hundred dollar gift card is not really that big of a deal. So, um, that's something that we are continuing to do and it has worked very well for us. So the two best things I would say are our social media ads and then, um, our patient mutual patient referrals. Are you interested in starting your own practice but have no idea where to start? Does the thought of contracts, entity formation, demographics, staffing, marketing, equipment, 
overwhelm you beyond belief? Well, don't worry, you're not alone. The process of opening a practice is a long one, but there's just one thing you must do first before you even consider any of those nitty gritty steps. Develop a strong practice vision. Having a vision for your future practice provides a guiding light to get you to your goal. And the best part, it's completely free, requires absolutely no contact with any contractors, real estate agents, or bankers. If you're even considering starting a practice, you need to start with your vision. I've developed a quick start guide to help you get the wheels in motion. Click the link in the show notes to download my free guide to developing your practice vision. I'm so excited for you to take this first step. So pause the episode here, download the guide, and start building your dream. Okay, and next question is, what is the hardest thing about opening a practice? (laughs) Wow. Okay, so I would say if you asked me this question on different days, you would get different answers. Um, But kind of taking a step back overall, I would say the hardest thing is just the mental aspect of it. Um, That's something that people don't talk about that often i think like a lot of times you go to ce courses and seminars and they're talking about marketing and treatment philosophy and how to finish cases faster and how to get more starts um but nobody really talks about the mental side of things and how um taxing it can be at times to just you know have pressure on yourself to make this practice a success and then also to really deliver a good patient experience for anybody that comes into your practice um and then also i would just say the overall kind of volatility of things in the beginning um throughout the whole first year you could have like a really really good month and then you feel awesome you're like yes you know this is it this is going to be like the turning point for the practice from here on out it's going to be awesome we're going to you know have so much production blah 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 and then like the next month will be terrible um, <laughs> and then you're like starting to question if you're doing something wrong or you know why people that came for consults aren't starting and um until you get a buildup of patience with like a constant flow stream of income it is a little bit nerve-wracking I would say in terms of just looking at the numbers every month and you expect I mean I kind of expected that there would be some up and downs with that overall you know like the first year would be an upward trajectory and um, so on and keep growing and it definitely was not as linear as I expected it to be. Um, I'm learning that there is some serious seasonality in orthodontics in terms of when people decide to pursue treatment, um, months that are slower and things like that. But because I don't have those prior years of profit and loss statements and starts and production um i don't have anything to compare it to now that we are halfway through year two i have you know last year's data and then um 
also we just have people on recurring payment plans so we have a certain amount of money that I know is coming in every month um, so I feel much better that even if we have a lower month in terms of production it's not like we're going to be in the red for that month um, but that took pretty much the whole first year to establish so that kind of up and down was just a lot um, mentally and you try to not get attached to the numbers or to take it personally but it's really really hard um especially if it's you know your baby your practice so i would say that is the biggest thing other than you know just the little stuff on a daily basis but that's kind of like the overall struggle i would say of starting a practice but like i said now that i am halfway through year two i feel much better about the practice um and i am actually now starting to pay myself from the practice which i probably honestly could have done sooner but i was just afraid to start doing that and get attached to that money and then have a bad month and need to use the money so um yeah just know that it's normal and you'll get there. And last question, do you see yourself opening up multiple practices in the future? Ooh, um, honestly, I don't know. Um, right now, I'm kind of torn between my future vision of just keeping the practice small where I'm the only doctor and having a relatively lower for orthodontics patient volume on a daily basis but being more of a boutique practice and opening multiple locations potentially hiring an associate in the future um and maybe working less myself um i really don't know i very much enjoyed the whole process of opening the office so i think it would be fun to in the future open up another location maybe in another area but the area where i am is pretty saturated in terms of orthodontic practices and um you know when you open a second location you basically double your overhead so it has to really be worth it financially in terms of the demographics to make sense for me um, so I don't know. Um, that is tough. I would say I'm not ruling it out, but definitely not anytime soon. So we'll see what the future holds, but I am not currently looking at spaces or demographics for other locations, anything like that. Alrighty. So that is all the questions I'm going to go over here. If you have any more questions, that you want me to answer definitely feel free to just send me an instagram message i'm more than happy to help anybody out at any time so please send me a dm and i will do my best to get back to you and that is going to do it for this week i will catch you guys in the next one bye guys <laughs>